Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I would like to st- um, start out today by welcoming my guests, um, Katie O'Neill Arkin and Marianne Tamilo Kue. These um, two lovely women have been my friends for 57 years, and today we're going to talk about the importance of lifelong friendships and how they buffer adverse child experiences. So welcome, Marianne and Katie. Thank Thank you. Happy to be here. Me too. So this month is National Sister Month, and many of us have sisters who we grew up with who are of our DNA and sisters of our choice. Marianne and Katie are definitely my sisters of choice. So today's show is about sister friends. Sister friends support each other through the joys and sorrows of life. They love us unconditionally and extend their love even when we show up not as our best self. And that certainly happened many times with these dear women who've been in my life for so long. Um, I can truly tell them anything without judgment. Um, and these foundational relationships that many of us have can change the core of our lives, showing us light when we're shrouded in darkness. On Resiliency Within, we have had many speakers who've talked about adverse childhood experiences, and I want to just remind everyone what those are. So the more negative childhood experiences as adults report when they reflect back on their life, the more likely they are to have an array of physical, mental, and social problems. They are called adverse childhood experiences. I'll, I'll refer to them as ACEs here on out. They include physical and emotional abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, having lived in a home with an adult with an alcohol or drug problem, or where there was violence. The more ACEs experienced, the more possible mental and physical challenges we may have. In my case, I had four adverse child experiences of the 10 from the original study. So that put me at risk for many of the the things we're talking about. However, research also found, and this is research um, that's coming out of John Hopkins, um, led by Dr. Christina Bethel, that um, when we have positive childhood experiences, even when we're experiencing ACEs, that that can buffer um, the impact of adverse child experiences on our physical and mental health. So it's really important to remember, and I've said this many times on this show, that adversity is not destiny. So what are some of the positive childhood experiences that Dr. Bethel talked about? And so there's seven of them. The first is, did the child have the ability to talk with the family about their feelings? The second was, did the family... um, stand by them during difficult times. The third was, um, did they have at least two non-parent adults who took a genuine interest in them? And four, did they feel safe and protected by an adult in their home? Five is, if did they feel supported by friends? And six, did they feel a sense of belonging in high school? And finally, did they participate in community activities? So what they found was that positive reports on any one of the seven types that I just mentioned were associated with lower rates of mental health problems and higher rates of having relationships as an adult where you, where you get the social and, and emotional support you needed. 
So in this reflection, I thought it was really important to highlight a really um, important lived experience that I personally had, and that these two women are um, very um, integrated in what helped me survive a very difficult childhood. So this is about a personal story, but it's also about a story that many of you, as you're listening, oh, yes, I did maybe have adverse child experiences, but who were the people that maybe were in my life? If I even had one of those seven positive things that could have buffered the intensity of what I was experiencing. So I met Katie and Mary Ann at Mother Butler Memorial High School when we were 14 years old. This is a high school that's no longer in existence, actually. It was in San Jose, California. And uh, we had many, many fabulous experiences. I want to tell you a little bit about both of them. Marianne grew up in Campbell. She went to Mother Butler as well. She attended San Jose State University. Actually, all three of us attended San Jose State University. She earned a BA in English. She went on to get her teaching credential and began her career teaching high school English in Santa Cruz. And then she went on to teach fourth and fifth grade in Aptos, California, where I know she has impacted so many children and families. She's been married to Mark Kue for 42 years and has two children and two grandchildren. Katie O'Neill Arkin spent her um, first 14 years in Columbus, Ohio, and moved to California in 1967. I have to tell you, that was a pretty big shock for those of us who met our first person from Ohio. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about the show, when we talk about our experiences together. Um, she, um, uh, went, also went to San, San Jose State, and in 1977, 1975, she got her BS in nursing. She married David Arkin in 1974. Her daughter was born in 78, her son in 82. Katie worked on as an RN for 46 years in the, in, and in the hospital for 15 years as a vis, visiting RN with VNA, home care and hospice, and the last 20 years in discharge planning. She volunteered at a thrift box and, and Willow Glen Library sales. And she loves going to her grandkids' softball games. Mm -hmm. So my dear friends, as we get started today, we talked about, we've been preparing for the show, is about we were going to give our definitions of friendship. And Marianne wanted to go first. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons <laughs> why she's going to go first, because she was the introvert in the three of us. Marianne and I were, Katie and I were kind of the extroverts, not kind of, we were extroverted and still are. But so Marianne, we wanted to give you the first the first go round of what friendship means to you. Thank you, Elaine. <laughs> um, I thought about this for quite a while and it may be a little wordy, but I hope it encapsulates everything that I think about when I think of friendship. And to me, friendship is a relationship based on love, trust and acceptance. It's one in which you'll do just about anything to provide support, care, and probably most importantly, joy to that person, no matter what the circumstances. So that's what it means to me. Well, and I, and I certainly can say from my perspective that if it wasn't for those attributes that you demonstrated to me when I was a kid, mm -hmm. um, that I don't know if I would have um, survived some of the very difficult experiences I had as a child. So when I think about those aces that I certainly experienced, I think what I think more of is what also was true was the way that you extended friendship to me in many, many different ways. And so now Katie, over to you. Well, that was, a, that was really good. And I, it, you know, it's, I totally agree with everything Marianne said, because to me, there's so many words that can describe friendship. 
So what I decided this morning after Mary Elaine put me on the spot that I had to write a definition at 70 years old. <laughs> I was trying to give you a directive, Katie. <laughs> um, I said, it's a bond that took time to develop, but is stronger than anything man-made. It contains love, laughter, pats on the back, disappointment, but never abandonment. It means hugs. It means staying with your girlfriend at the drive-in till three in the morning when you don't actually realize how late it is. You're locked in, and then you somehow get out over the tire shredder without ruining the car. <laughs> when she writes you a great letter the next day that I still have and I laugh at. Or inviting a friend with her fa to her family's picnic and wine tasting and then have to listen to a whole medley of tunes from Funny Girl on the patio of a winery. <laughs> so, so friendship is something that has lots and lots of words that are positive, but it's just a bond that's never to be broken. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm laughing because I think one of the things that has been so important about our relationship is the humor that we have shared. And because we went to an all-girls Catholic school, I think we did a lot of mischievous things that were not necessarily crimes. Well, I don't think most of them weren't. Um, maybe the, drink get caught. <laughs> the drinking was not good. You know, I'm not saying, you know, we did a little bit of that. That was not a good thing to do. I don't prescribe drinking for underage people, but we did do that. Um, but we also helped each other in very difficult times when we were feeling down and out or when we just didn't know if we fit in, you know, I guess maybe we can talk a little bit, but we fit in with each other. And um, I don't know if it, one of you want to talk about that, about how, you know, there were some people in our school that were kind of condescending and mm -hmm. made you feel like it just weren't good enough. And of course, if you had that at home too, that's a double whammy. So if you could somehow, you know, jump into some relationships with some really positive young women and feel like maybe with this group, I think they get me and I think I'm good enough. So any, any, any of you want to comment on that? Well, for me, it was, I would feel uncomfortable with new people mm -hmm. and um, what, and you know, that teenage, Oh, what are they going to think of me? What should I do? Should I, you know, be this, be that. And when I met you guys, it was like, I never thought of that because it was, it was immediate ease. There was just an easiness to being a friend with you. Cause I think we did, you know, I could be myself and then I'd see the laughter or I'd see the, Oh, that's okay. Or how about we do this? There was never any, are you, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> there was just an ease with you too, that I felt I never felt with anybody else. Yeah. I don't know, Marianne, do you have something you want to add as well? Well, uh, the same as Katie, um, I never felt judged by either of you. Um, in fact, I may have to share how you and I met Elaine, uh, <laughs> because honestly, I was I, looking back, I was pretty immature, you know, going into high school, I had very few, you know, experiences in any, I, I just was still a very, very young girl. And uh, Kay, uh, Elaine and I met uh, at a kind of a orientation get together for high school. And we went to a movie. Uh, we saw, was it Dr. Zhivago? I Dr. think it was. Yeah. Yeah. At the Century 21. And I was sitting next to Elaine and I don't think we spoke the whole time, but at one point there was some kind of tussle with the picture of Desi Arnaz Jr., I think. 
Okay, I'm saying that we're in the church. and Billy, that was a, and, a pop group of that time, which is right. like a long time ago, like 19- Long time ago. And it's, at, at some point, a uh, it was being passed, that picture was being passed around, but somehow a, a, a brush emerged from a purse and got thrown and hit a nun in the head. Okay, not, so, not any nun. It was not the any principal, St. The principal. Yes, so the first Lord. day of school, we go to school. I don't know anybody there. I, I hear over the loudspeaker Elaine's name and my name to come to the principal's office. And there we sat together, looked at each other, and that bond has been there ever since, 57 <laughs> years ago. And we are still friends. <laughs> we went to the principal's office together the first day of school. Yes. So how could I not feel love and you know a connection well, i think that kind of humor and i, I remember what our our uh, punishment was we had to go on saturdays and we had to clean the, the classrooms right we did that, that we just had more fun and we laughed okay. we got to be together so mm-hmm. we didn't see it so much i don't know if our parents thought well, who are these two you know who's that other girl and <laughs> we really want our daughter to hang out with her but of course yeah, we, um, Marianne was the maid of honor at my wedding. So you can imagine we, uh, we, we it was okay. It ended up being okay. So there you go. Yeah. So um, the other thing, I guess that, you know, talking about how we met, Katie, I just think we need to talk about you mm-hmm. a little bit because you came in halfway through the year of our freshman year. And Katie was, this was, now this was the the 60s, everyone. And so in California, where we, where Marianne and I were, you know, we were listening to the Beach Boys. We were listening to, um, I guess, Jefferson Airplane, the psychedelics. I mean, this was our music. And then Katie comes to Mother Butler. First of all, she showed up in a very odd outfit that kind of looked very preppy. Um, She was from Cleveland, Ohio, if I can say that. And also we didn't wear nylons. We wore these awful white, um, Oxford shoes with white socks, but Katie wore nylons. I believe with you had loafers, loafers on. <laughs> that was the oddest thing we'd ever seen. So, um, can you talk a little bit about that, Katie? Um, that experience. Well, I just I remember um, we had moved here in 1967. I mean, today the world is so small with the internet. When things happen, it goes worldwide within what 20 minutes at the most. And back then, the East Coast, Midwest, the West Coast, that was all very different. And there were, you know, I heard about the hippies out in California. And I, so my parents dropped me off at school. I had no idea I was coming to school that day. And I am dressed like a Pendleton girl with a sweater, a Pendleton skirt. And here's these guys in these Oxfords. And, and they, uh, some of them uh, later on, I see they wear these moccasins. Remember those awful moccasins that we wore in Hirachis? And I was just like, I was horrified. I thought, oh my God. I went home and cried because when I walked in, it literally went silent. It was like being in a movie. The, all the heads turned towards me because I'm sure I look like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> and I was that different. <laughs> But I, I think that, you know, if any of you listening were the, the new person at school, you know that feeling that she had. But then somehow, um, Marianne, and I, Marianne and I, we thought, well, we're going to kind of make friends with this this strange woman from um, the strange young person girl at that point from from Cleveland, Ohio. And then we had to learn about like the Ohio State, um, which 
little did I know later on, my um, my daughter is married to someone who went to the Ohio State, but Katie gave me a lot of information about that way, way back then. But then, you know, we became friends. So how, did, how was it that we helped you kind of assimilate, Katie? Because I think that was part of, can be part of an adverse child experience is not being able to assimilate into a new school. You know, I still remember, I think we, um, is that I was too scared to to, to call somebody, you know, cause I was scared of rejection and I already felt rejected cause I felt so different. I mean, I did feel very different and, um, Elaine called me, I mean, and you've always been that kind of person that, that would reach out. You were the person that would reach out. You've always been that person. And I get on the phone and here's Elaine and you find out, I think we found out at school that we both lived in Saratoga. So we, and I think that's what started. That's what it was, because you lived in Saratoga. That was it. Yeah. We had finally moved to our house because we lived in Sunnyvale till the house was done. And you said, well, you know, and I think we met at either, I think, Paul Masson Winery and walked in the fountains in front of there and got kicked out of there. It was our first misadventure within minutes. You know, I was I was going to have a police blotter within minutes. Of me. <laughs> I think I taught you how to wade in the Paul Masson Winery. Yes. I wanted to make sure that you had enough mischievous things that wasn't just throwing, you know, a, uh, with Marianne throwing, you know, brushes and hitting nuns on the head. Yes, I guess oh, making me sound like I was a stinker. Kind <laughs> of a house that you know, my parents weren't really close friends. They didn't enjoy each other because, I, like I said, Marianne's parents showed me how two people could enjoy each other, mm-hmm. and so it was never like a fun household unless all my brothers and sisters got together then we'd have a lot of fun but it was just the three of us and so it was great that I I got to get out and have fun with somebody and at and I remember thinking um meeting your mother and being in Ohio you never saw anybody from a foreign country and your mother had this thick Spanish accent and I'm thinking oh my god she's a drunk because I remember you saying (laughs) You just didn't have any, you didn't have any context of someone who had an accent. No. And uh, so anyway, it just, you know, it was just so, I was so fortunate that, uh, that the hand that was extended to me was Elaine and it brought Marianne along with her. <laughs> yes. The three of us were partners in many mischievous acts, um, I, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. But so um, I guess the other thing about, you know, the relationship, and I want to say, Marianne, you know, your parents, we loved your mom and dad, and, and, you know, they just recently died in the last year. And your mom and dad did show us two adults that were like, got along with each other, had fun. But they also, I always felt they cared about us. And when you have a family that is, uh, I knew that my parents cared about me, but they, it was a different kind of, of household. And I think Katie and I share that in that experience. And so seeing your parents, when you see, think about positive childhood experiences, two non-related adults that you knew cared about you. I knew your parents cared about yeah. me. And I do, you know, when we talked about this previously, I didn't really, I forgot that my parents played that role because to me, I was in the house dealing with the everyday issues of trying to grow up with 50s parents who were who uh, a child of the late 60s dealing with all the, <laughs> the things that were going on in the world and in my own private life at school um, and then having to reconcile it with the rules that my 50s parents placed on me. But what I do remember, um, especially with my mom, um, I remember her on the phone uh, with your mom in particular, Elaine, saying, oh, Elsie, 
just let her go. You know, she's going to a movie with with Marianne tonight. She, they're going to be fine. I'm, I'm going to, and she'd lie. My mother would lie. She says, I'm going to take them and I'll stay with them. She never did that. <laughs> but she would, I remember that. I'm thinking, wow, mom, you're, you're, you're lying to, to Mrs. Miller. Um, but I think she just really took, she knew. My mom had a sense. Yeah. She knew what you were going, in particular, knew what you were yeah. going through. And my dad, Katie, um, really liked your dad. He had a ball with your dad. The, the, you know, the father-daughter dances where we would go, uh, oh, but he also go together. We double date. Um, but he also, he got it. Yeah, we double dated, but he also got it. He knew that that your dad was really old school and tough on you. I remember him saying uh, to that effect that it must be, he, he's really a, an old school guy. So um, I think they got it. And that's why part of the reason why they were so welcoming and so helpful for you, both of you. And I'm really glad. I didn't realize that, truly realize it at the time, but I'm really, really thankful. Well, and I think that awareness, we were just kids, right? And, you know, I grew up with a mom who had grown up in a different country with completely different rules. And so having an adolescent was completely beyond the scope of anything she could understand. Mm -hmm. So basically she would have probably been happy if I just stayed inside the house in my room every single day um, Mm -hmm. after school and on the weekend. And here I wanted to be a teenager. So I think your mom your mom helped her, I think, mm-hmm. little ways, you know, mm-hmm. there are other ways that we kind of got around it, which right. you know, um, sneaking to drive in movies and the kind of things that we did. But I think we did it because she was so strict that mm-hmm. there wasn't um, there wasn't a, a reasonable way of having a conversation. And right. so gosh, I so appreciate that your, you know, your mom was like that. And and also, you know, I remember the time with your dad as well that, you know, we thought we were so independent. You brought this up the other day and you oh, yeah. were in Santa Cruz. I mean, I'm going to share that story, Marianne, because I think I just love that, that they looked after us. And that was part of, I think, buffering some mm-hmm. of the cases that I experienced. Right. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to share it? Yeah, yeah share that okay. story. That I thought that was um, a great story. My parents, uh, when we were in high school, uh, for two weeks every summer, they would rent a a little house, a little tiny house down in Santa Cruz. And it was maybe a mile or so from the boardwalk. And uh, amongst the many other things that we did while we were there, uh, we thought we were were, um, anxious to go to the boardwalk in the evening and hang out. And back then the boardwalk was pretty raunchy. Um, So we thought we were so grown up, we would take off maybe about five or six in the evening and walk down to the boardwalk, spend an hour or two down there and then walk back. You know, we're all grown up, 15 year old grownups and come to find out later, several, many years later, my father finally admitted that he actually followed us. He would always be about two blocks behind, but he followed us not only to the boardwalk, but up and down back and forth and watched everything we did and followed us back home. So he really was kind of our guardian angel. (laughs) Yeah, I never let us. We weren't as independent as we thought we were. Anyway, well, you know, when you told me that, I had no idea. Of course, no, we had no idea. No, we had no idea. But I think that Elaine saying, you know, that your parents cared about us mm-hmm. is because my mom always. My mom brought me up with sayings. 
Because, you know, Elaine, you talked about, can you talk to your parents? And if I would go try to say something to her, it was always God made help those who help themselves. You made your bed, now lie in it. Mm-hmm. She used to tell me all the time, children are to be seen and not heard. So when I tell her I was going to go do these things, it's like um, she never really restricted me the only, because I was out of her hair. And so to hear that your parents, you know, and I think back on that, because I remember talking with your mom at the kitchen table all the time, breaking Mm -hmm. glasses I didn't mean to break. And, um, (laughs) and, but she would sit here and actually talk to us. I mean, I would have never sat down with my mother and you had you two try and talk to my mother because she never would have given us the time of day. Mm -hmm. And and, and I look back on those talks, and even if we disagreed, we also laughed and Mm -hmm. just had a great time. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking that you and I had kind of polar extremes. Your mom said, go ahead and do everything. My mother said, do nothing. Yes, exactly. And and then we had Marianne's family as kind of like the island of respite. Yes. There are parents that gave freedom and also gave boundaries. And that's what I really appreciate as I'm just thinking about it now and how I tried to raise my kids as well. And I know we're going to, we're going to take a short break right now and we're going to come back and continue this conversation because I think it's also really important for our listeners to hear that, you know, we're talking about, you know, with the research of adverse child experiences and Dr. Bethel's um, research about positive experiences, but this is real life. This is how it was done. And now we have an awareness of this and we're hoping that it may help someone out there saying, are you that family for a kid whose mm-hmm. family may be having some struggles that you may be Marianne's parents, mm-hmm. Joe and Mary, which, you know, we, we should also, when we come back from the break, cause they had an interesting, he was Italian. She was Irish. That wasn't such a, a big, uh, uh, they were very much uh, trailblazers for their mm-hmm. as well. So we'll be back in, in, in just a, a couple minutes and we'll come back and continue our conversation. The three amigos, Amigas, I'll say, the three girls (laughs) that have been together for 57 years. Oh, my. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. 
If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. This is Elaine miller Karras with Resiliency Within, and I'm back with Katie Arkin, and Marianne Kue, we are old friends of 57 years, and we are talking about the positive childhood experiences that help buffer some of the adverse childhood experiences that some of us had. And I would say that maybe Katie and I had more so than Marianne, but Marianne's family was such a respite for us. And we were talking about how her parents were those two non-related um, adults, Katie, that we had in our life that helped you know, help buffer because some of the experiences we had with our families of origins were a little bit more, not maybe a lot more difficult. Um, but before I, I finish, um, let's go to our next question. We can continue talking. It's Columbus, Ohio, not Cleveland. What am I thinking of? Anyway, Columbus. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, all you Ohio State people, I realize it's Columbus, Ohio. So in any event, um, one of the things I thought that might be good for us to talk about are just, you know, some of the things that happened with the three of us um, were not easy. And and yet we were, um, we stayed with each other and supported each other. And I'm thinking about, you know, even <laughs> some of the things that happened as we grew out of adolescence. Mm-hmm. And I know, Marianne, we had the loss of a very dear friend, Rosemary, that I want to kind of just acknowledge her today. And she was, she died on her 32nd birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we had the loss of, you know, I remember Katie sitting with you when your mom had died and we were sitting in a restaurant and I was, I guess I was being kind of directive of saying, okay, Katie, you have to write the eulogy. I don't know if if any of you want to just kind of comment on how we've supported each other. It's not only been through those early years when we were kids, but as we've grown through our adulthood. Well, for me, I, when my mom died, it was 1995 and I found her dead. And I was still, I was like in shock. I mean, um, my dad had died the previous August and my mom basically didn't have any health issues. And she had called me up the night before and said she just didn't feel real good. And I kind of yelled at her, well, you need to go to the doctor. I'm coming over and getting you tomorrow. And when I drove up, I kind of knew the house was dark. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. The paper was out. And so when it came to the funeral, um, Elaine flew up from Southern California and, and as Elaine or Marianne are the only two that could, you know, my brothers and sisters couldn't do this. She sat me down and said, she pulled it out of me, my feelings that I could not express. And I will never, ever forget that. But she just knew how to get it out of me as a, as a friend. But I think, I think only one, either of you will be the only ones that could have sat with me at that time and pulled me out of this 
stupor I was in because we had the uh, funeral within like four or five days and um, and get me to express what turned out to be a great eulogy. I still have it along with Marianne's letter. She sent me a long time ago on my little high school memento box. Really? <laughs> Oh. And, and, and so I, I, and I think that that's, you know, that's the dear friend that comes to the rescue and then can get your deepest feelings when you can't get them yourself. Mm-hmm. And just to, um, to speak to Rosemary's death, um, which came out of the blue for us. I mean, she was 31 years old when she was diagnosed with leukemia, a rare form of leukemia. Um and within four months, she was gone. When when I remember Elaine, and you really helped me with this, and maybe you, I, I don't think I've ever told you this. Uh, remember, we had a kind of a sort of bachelorette party for uh, Maureen early. I don't know if you remember that. And it was very, you know, it wasn't fancy. It was just get together at, at uh, Maureen's home. And we did some fun little things for her. But I remember... Rosemary laying on the couch and she didn't look well. And you were the one that went over to her and talked to her, asked if she was in pain. And, and really at that point kind of took over and we got her home and you talked to me about it. And I don't know if you remember this, but you told me that this could be serious. You kind of let me know, gave me a heads up that we're dealing, she's dealing with something that's, that's fairly serious. And it kind of, cause I, she had told me that she had some discomfort, you know, the month, a few months prior. And I really didn't think anything of it. I didn't pursue it. We didn't live close to each other. I was in Santa Cruz. She was in San Jose. So I wasn't seeing her all the time, but it, you really alerted me to the fact to attend to her and be, and be aware of what she was going through. And it really changed how I looked at her and, and how I did start to care for her until she Look, passed away. You, you two so, had a very special yeah. soul relationship as yeah. well. But you recognized it and you kind of set me straight. So thank you. No, I, I appreciate I'm always setting people straight for some you are setting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think the, you know, the other thing is we, I'm thinking about our, our, our childhoods and our adulthood is that, is that those relationships um, that if you have a, a teenager in your life that is going through a difficult time, is how can you help them be in, in, in situations where they can cultivate and meet people that could be like-minded? I think that, you know, sometimes we don't know who those like-minded folks are going to be um, um, when we are ourselves teenagers. But I that's why I, I love the idea of boys and girls clubs or after-school programs where kids can be together, where they're, they're nurturing those relationships. Because did we have any idea when we were 14, when we met, that we would be friends for the rest of our lives. And I can say, I'll tell you all, we're all, we, we said it was okay to say this. We're 71 years old now and we don't see each other. There may be years that go by that we don't see each other. And yet when we get together, it seems like a minute has passed. Right. That, right. that the foundational friendship is so deep and so dear that it's not like any other friendships that I've certainly developed in my life. So I don't know if you got, if either one of you. Same with me, same with me. And as we've talked before, um, there's a, I don't want to say, I don't know if I should say spiritual or psychic piece to this, but, but I, I, and this is the truth. I'm not making this up. Um, I have dreams where Elaine just pops into them, you know, and kind of as she can do, takes over and tells me what to do. (laughs) 
Oh, no, it's great. It's all good. It's all and good. she still loves me. She still I do loves love me. you. And then sure enough, I get a call from her the next day or within something comes in it, it just with this, with this um, uh, newscast, this uh, talk that we're doing now, uh, same thing happened. I had a dream where Elaine was part of it. And then the next day I get a, a text from her saying, would you like to be on uh, a show I'm doing about friendships? So it's, I don't know what that is. Um, I remember hearing a while back something about um, friendships, even if you're apart, if you've had them for a long time, you grow roots and they tangle up together. And those roots are always there. So no matter when you get, when you reconnect, those roots are there, even though they're, they're all tangled up together. So Katie, Elaine, and you, and me, we're all tangled up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Down below. <laughs> no, and I, I think you're right about that. It is. And, and we have had a lot of psychic things that have happened and and even and Katie, I want to talk. You know, we want to tell you tell the story about when you came to my future husband's house and met my my father in law, Kenny. Oh, can't hear you, can't hear you, Kate. Come oh, now. well. Okay now, okay, now I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, so um, well, it's like you say. Now you have a son in law from the Ohio State. Yes. So Elaine meets Jim at the theaters. Uh, Marianne and Elaine and Jim were theater people. And um, we had to go to his house for some reason. And Elaine's, uh, Jim's parents were there and we're talking. And well, you know, my dad's from Wisconsin. I think it was the grandmother at the time was alive. And she said, well, where are you from? And I said, well, my, where's your family from? I said, Wisconsin. And well, we're from Madison. And my name was Kate O'Neill. And Grandpa Kenny comes over, Jim's dad, and says, are you Ed O'Neill's daughter? And I'm like, what? Now, my dad was born in 1913, and I think Grandpa Kenny maybe 1916 or something like yeah, that. I think it was 1914. 14. 14. And they wow. used to caddy together when they were kids, like in seventh grade back in Madison, Wisconsin, at the local country club to make money during the Depression. And they knew each other as kids and played together. That's and amazing. it was just like, it was just, it was just like that this relationship has a lot of those moments that, you know, it, it had to be. It had to be. Well, it's like, you know, I guess spiritually, and I feel like I'm, I'm, we're all spiritual people, that there's something that was beyond, um, like you say, when you I, we have those dreams and all of a sudden I call you, um, that there is something otherworldly in a very positive way about our relationship, that there were so many interconnections that happened between us as we as we were young and as um, as we've grown older. So it's it's been affirming mm-hmm. um, in a very positive way, I know, in, in my life. And looking back, you know, so grateful um, that I had both of you during those times um, when when things were really rough as kids and also as things are rough as, you know, as, oh, as, we've, as we've gotten older, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, for me, it's like when my husband was recently diagnosed with a cancer, I mean... I sent you both a text, you know, it's just like, I just knew that I had to just reach out to both of you and you both responded within a, you know, within a hot minute. Right. And, and the kinds of support that you've given to me like that throughout the years, I I just don't ever doubt is going to be there. So, you know, I hope that, that I've been there for you too, like you've been there for me. I, I, you know, I think you both have, because in my life, 
um, and I can't even think of things at this point, but I'll be going through something with my kids or my husband and, or I'll see my grandkids now that they're teenagers and I'll think about, well, and something will pop in my mind of a, of a event or something we did together that brings it all back. Like, oh yeah, that's okay. You know, they aren't, you know, let them go, let them go. Or, um, but I'll have events from my past just pop into my head. I don't know if that ever happens to you. Just intermittently. I may go months without having anything. And then something will come up from when we were in high school, when we were dating, uh, weddings, whatever. Like when you texted about your wedding, all of a sudden, Elaine, I saw you running around that room talking to everybody in your dress. (laughs) We couldn't get you to hold still for pictures. And it was just, um, you know, just a, a happy, fun moment. And things like that come in my mind as my life passes and, re- and they'll, they'll pull it out of the past in my brain and I'll see it kind of visually in my mind. Well, I think it does. You know, I, I often say on this show, what else is true? And although I can say I had a, a lot of difficulties, I want to say that one of the things that was really important um, for the two of you is that you were a witness and you saw some of the behaviors happen so that I didn't feel so crazy. Yeah. I said, is this like normal that someone talks like this? And you go, yeah. no, no, that's not right. No, that's no. not the way people are supposed to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And so it was so affirming as a young person, because all you have is the parents that you're growing up with. And if that's what you think is the norm, that you don't know that that's abusive, for example, right. then you need to have witnesses that can help you with that. And I know that there's a very affirming part that you were those witnesses for me when I was little. Maybe that's why I became a therapist, who knows, is that I've witnessed so many other people's challenges that you two did for me when I was young. That and has, we weren't even aware of it. We were just kids I doing what, uh, what we thought was right, being goofy and, and, and helping you, you know, in ways that just seemed natural to us at the time. So. Yeah, like like for like I I think I said yesterday for me it was to leave behind the tension of my household. Mm-hmm. Your your tension Elaine Elaine was much more overt and verbal. Mine yeah. was silent tension. And yeah. um and when we got together it it didn't exist. Just we mm-hmm. existed. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was fun and we were together and we were just like uh, we just were unbroken. Yeah, we were unbroken. It's true. And I think that when we feel broken as children or as adults, that I knew that I could talk to both of you and still do and feel that, okay, give me a bandage. I need one quick. <laughs> How can we put those, those bandages on those broken spaces that seem like maybe I can't put them back together again? Because I think that, you know, when you think about, again, that study about friends and how friends just only one positive experience, like having friends can help to buffer those those adverse child experiences. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this show and and also talk about, you know, what else was true. And I mean, I have to say, Katie, I have to tell about when we dressed up as nuns. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So Katie and I, um, first of all, we were growing up in the 60s and this is when there was a big change in the Catholic church. So one, at the end of one school year, the nuns all had their habits the traditional with the the black and the white, the whole thing. And then they come back, they're wearing dresses and we're like going, Oh my gosh, sister Catherine has hair. I mean, we were, we were (laughs) and legs. We were kind of in shock. Well, we knew someone who had all the old 
I'm going to say costumes, all the old habits. And so we actually, Katie and I were able to get a couple of them and we dressed up as nuns, got in one of our cars. We didn't smoke, but we decided we would do this as a nun. We were smoking with nuns outfits on and we pick up hitchhikers and try to convert them. <laughs> and I wish we had pictures of the looks on their faces. Most of them got out within a block. <laughs> could you please let us out of here? Well, that's, that's in a time capsule. How could you do that today? Would you want your daughter driving around picking up hitchhikers? No, 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 no. But I'm just thinking that that's what we did. Of course, we were just... Right. And we could do that then. The lack of an awareness, but mm-hmm. I think that, that was part of what else was true, is what we did things, you know, in a humorous way. And we would think about very mischievous, fun things to do that didn't cause harm to anyone. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the ways that we dealt with, you know, well, I know that I dealt with some of the suffering, but the friendship, but, you know, Marianne, I'm thinking as we're talking here, your family weren't like Kate, Katie and mine. So, so how did you decide to hook up with us? <laughs> As I said, I was really immature and, <laughs> and I fit right in. I fit right in. <laughs> just to, just to um, another story about my dad, just a quick one. And this is with Katie. I don't know if you remember the night we went to the drive-in and we fell asleep. We were at the Campbell drive-in. Yes. We fell asleep in the car, woke up. It's like two in the morning. Right. No. And we, we started to drive back on this, the newly made Santa Moss expressway. And who do we see my father's car going the other way, looking for us. Well, we snuck in so fast to my parents' house, got into bed, pulled the, sh- the covers over our heads and, and that was it. But again, he was out and I don't know how long he was looking for us. I talked to him later about it. He was out for quite a while, quite a while. Valley for us. Because there were no cell phones. I mean, there was no, no- Marianne, one of my, I can still hear like, um, uh, I think it was your mom. For some reason we decided Elaine's mother was always very fancy in her dress. Mm-hmm. And yes. She had gowns. I mean, my mother didn't own a gown at all. So we dressed up in her evening. They were like prom dresses. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. And we decided we were going to go to Taco Bell in these evening gowns. (laughs) And then we decided we were going to TP somebody's house. And we were at the grocery store. It's 1145 at night. And for some reason, we turned the corner with in evening gowns with toilet paper. And here's Marianne's mother. And I can hear (laughs) she would always say that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about the evening gowns. That's right. We all wore the evening gown. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I'm seeing as we're as we're talking about all these amazing things, I, I kind of want to say a couple more things too that I think that one of the the also the trajectories as we were growing up as women and learning about life. I mean, Marianne came to Planned Parenthood with me and sat with me as I was getting birth control for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I remember there and Marianne, I forgot Marianne that there was a, there was somebody there with a camera. They were doing oh, yeah. a show about, and we wanted to be very anonymous. We were moving further, further away, but here was, there was a camera at Plant Parenthood, but you know, these kinds of firsts that we did, or Katie, when we made that first dinner and we, oh, we, we, we spaghetti, we were, we were our, our, boyfriends and we were going to cook yeah. for that. <laughs> and, and they're going, they could, you could not eat spaghetti. Who messes up spaghetti, right? I mean, you know, we did. 
But I guess there's all these firsts that we did. I mentioned in the very beginning of the show, but these firsts also are sometimes when they were happening, they weren't humorous, but looking back at them now, we can look at them with humor and, and also appreciation of what one another of all the different things that, that we went through. And, um, and I think it's, it's just so important that all of you that are, that could be suffering right now, and maybe you haven't picked up the phone or texted one of your good buddies. But if there was somebody in your life when you were young that really had meant something to you, I have a hunch if you tried to call them right now, it may be the same as what is with us, that the years go by, we may not see each other, but the relationship does not waver in terms of its strength. And I guess, what did you say? The entangled roots? Mm Mm-hmm. I love those entangled roots. I did too. And it just popped into my head. I had read about it, read it yeah. quite a while ago, but yeah, we're, we're entangled girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what you said before break, Elaine, were, for the people listening is, is, you know, we had this friendship now that's 57 years old and um, we look back on the things that at the time we didn't realize were helping us escape our situations But for people listening that I'm sure that there's probably somebody in their life, maybe they haven't identified yet that they can use that Mm -hmm. as something to feel good about and build on. And, you know, and I didn't start realizing this until I was like 30 years old. You know, it took me a while to realize the importance of this. And and I guess the other part of, of this as well is that I, I, I really hope that each of you that could be suffering is to maybe go back and think about some of those experiences. One of those seven, did any of those seven things happen? And let's say they didn't for whatever reason. Is there anything you can do right now in your life that might be able to bring a little bit of joy, a little bit of, of happiness, a little bit of, you know, gratitude. Um, And maybe it's something you know, that you don't even realize could be that way. Like when we're talking here, and I didn't know that I had done that for Marianne regarding our friend who we, you know, learned that had a life-threatening illness, that we don't know the impact we have on others. And sometimes if we think about those gratitudes or those times of kindness that we did to someone else, that sometimes can help us inside our heart and our souls. So, um, I want to give each of you a chance if there's, you know, like any like parting words you want to say to our, to our guests about the importance of, of friendship and, and uh, kind of what we all have meant to each other. And also, I guess we talked about this when we were preparing for the show, how this has um, gone forward in your own lives with your own children. So who'd like to go first? I, I, uh, I don't even know what to say, but, For me, the importance is always knowing I'm not alone because sometimes I can feel alone. Um, Even when I'm surrounded, you know, when you say you're in a sea of people, but you feel alone, but sometimes you just feel alone. But I always know that I have two people I can call that are always going to answer the phone for me and come hell or high water, they're going to make something happen if I really need it. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, is just like, um, it's irreplaceable. It's just irreplaceable. I agree. I agree. You said it very well, Katie. I feel very similar, very, very much the same way. Um, and I also want to say that, uh, when we were talking about children, 
uh, we talked about this as well before, um, my own, I have two daughters and in particularly my oldest daughter and, and my youngest as well, I see the relationships that they have built since they were in elementary school and how they rely on each other. And I'm so happy I've, I've promoted that. I know I've promoted that over the years. Um, and I, I can see how it's helped them. Um, I can't, I don't really have anything else to to say, except to thank you both for being in my life. I love you both dearly. Um, I couldn't have, you know, again, I know I can call you anytime. And, you know, we, I think we were supposed to get together for our 70th birthday some wild weekend somewhere. I think we need to reenact some of that mischievousness that we I think we need to do Let's it. put something in the books, okay? Okay. We, we'll put something in the books. Well, and, and I just want to say to both of you, thank you for being on the show. It was really important for me to see a living presence of positive childhood experiences and how they played out into our lives. I, too, um, I can say with my daughter, I see her doing exactly the same things with her friends, friends that she's had since she was actually from grammar school. And I can, I also don't want to leave the show without talking about a dear friend who passed, Pamela Page. Um, and she was a very, very dear friend that I met actually in my early adult life when I was having children. But what I love about kind of maybe ending with this thought about her is that her daughter, Lizzie, I call her Lizzie, she goes by Liz now, she's an attorney, and my daughter, Jess, are very close. And I know they will have that closeness and friendship long after I'm dust in the wind. And there's something about the generational modeling that we are all doing that I know, Katie, I've seen you be a mom. I've seen you be a mom. I, my, the way that I was a mom, I didn't do what my mom did to my kids. I, I changed it. And so that to me is also the, the positive adversity is not destiny that we can make different choices in our life and how we parent our children and being present and having boundaries and freedom and love, as you say, it's to me, it's all about love. So thank you both my dear friends. And um, I wanna say to my audience, uh, remember what else is true in your life and, and think about reaching out to someone um, that maybe was important to you during your life. And to remember that this show is sponsored by the Trauma Resource Institute. And they're always welcome to donations. Um, you can reach them at www.traumaresourceinstitute.com. And until we meet again, this is Elaine Miller-Karras signing off for Resiliency Within. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine Miller-Karras, is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.